Hello and welcome to episode 7 of The Private Citizen, your weekly data privacy podcast. This is the episode for Wednesday, the 18th of March, 2020. And we're going to talk about personal liberties and the coronavirus scare. My name is Fab. I'm coming to you live on tape <laughs> from my studio just of runway uh, 33 of Hamburg International Airport in um, self-imposed isolation and with mild flu-like symptoms. Hey, how are you doing? Um, thanks. Thanks for listening to the show. Once again, here we are. It's a Wednesday. It's a private citizen. Uh, I'm recording this on the day. Because it can't go anywhere. And uh, don't don't worry about the uh, mild flu-like symptoms. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a nerd. I'm I'm a hypochondriac par excellence. I've been reading about. I mean, I've been I've been into virology. Viro can't talk. Is coronavirus does it affect the brain? Virology. I've been into virology uh, since I was at university. Um. Like in the early 2000s, um, I've, I read a book called Hot Zone. That w Douglas Preston, I think. Let me just look that up so I don't get it wrong. Um, the Hot Zone. Um, yeah, r no, Richard Preston. The Hot Zone by Richard Preston, which is a great book. It's about Ebola and the Marburg virus. And um, yeah, I got very interested. Of course, I was... Uh, at that time, as I am now, together with a cell biologist and uh, interested in all of that. And we had friends. Uh, one of my friends back then actually worked on uh, on hemor hemorrhagic fevers at Marburg. I think she's now in uh, in Chicago somewhere. So she, she worked in a, in a BSL-4 lab. Still does, I think. Um, anyway, so uh, ever since then, I've, I've been uh, terribly afraid of viruses and uh, I'm a a terrible hypochondriac. So if I read about this shit for weeks on the internet, of course I'm going to develop symptoms. <laughs> what do you think? Anyway, um, I had thought, you know, I, I'm trying to ignore this whole thing. I'm trying not to write about it. It's it's not in my general field. Um, okay, there's tech news, but like even in my newsletter that I write, I try to avoid all the coronavirus news because I don't think it's productive. I think there's enough of that out there. So I had planned to talk about something else uh, on this podcast, but I, as I was preparing the show, I was uh, more and more um, reading, of course, and all, all this stuff coming up. And at some point I thought, I really can't not talk about it at this point because there's something very interesting going on from a um, civil liberties. And also, I guess, I think more and more from a from a privacy perspective but you know from from a perspective interesting to uh the listeners of this podcast i think um and i think it's just not gonna it's not talked about at all and so i want to talk about that uh, i'm gonna try to not focus uh, on the actual uh disease too much and uh it's pretty chilling if you you know i sit here i can't you know, this all the shops are closed, everything's closed. We'll get into that in a minute. Um wanted to visit friends. Can't do that because uh the, the federal state closed its borders uh for just, you know, tourists and you know, leisurely traffic. And 
and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, well, this is something that's never happened in my lifetime. Like developments like this, and you know, in my lifetime, you know, that there was the Cold War. So I'm I'm born in a country that was when I was born and growing up uh, divided into two parts, where we had uh, socialism and not what Americans understand by the term, so like actual bona fide socialism or communism, depending on what you want to call that. You know, they had nuclear weapons um, on one side of the of the divided country. There was a wall in the middle. There were nuclear weapons from the Americans on the other side. Uh, there was tensions. I mean, in my lifetime, we had uh, we had the RAF, and I'm not talking about the uh, Royal Air Force, uh, the terrorism, uh, the left terrorism group that was blowing up buildings and and kidnapping people. And there was like the terror scare, and then of course the Cold War was over, and then we had the other terror scare, September 11th, and all of that. And and never, never, no, I mean, we had Chernobyl, right? When I, I was pretty young at the point, but, you know, I know that our parents were like, don't play outside for a week, right? But there was no edict that uh, schools are, schools are closed or something like that. That didn't happen. Um, yeah, so I've, I've never seen anything like we're experiencing right now. Um, so I thought that is, uh, that is worth talking about. And, uh, of course, what we are talking about is the coronavirus, also known as the Wuhan flu. I got myself a case of Wuhan flu. I don't know what I am supposed to do. Didn't know I had it when I gave it to you. Now we all got the Wuhan flu. <laughs> and I would like to thank the excellent uh, No Agenda podcast at noagendashow.com and their producers for this jingle, which is amazing. Um, yeah, so what I want to do is I want to talk about like the laws and edicts and all the stuff that's being passed in the wake of this. And I really don't want to stray too much from that. I, I don't really want to go into the woods about this actual virus, um, even though... You know, I've been interested in viruses, as I said, from about the early 2000s. I've, I've, and I've not only read like you know the hot zone uh, that led me down a rabbit hole, and for for years I was reading like you know scientific papers. I was reading all the preparation documents from the CDC and all that for a case, for something like this. I mean, they're preparing for something like this uh, forever. Um, and I mean, the CDC said so much in a press conference the other week. They were like, "We've been preparing for this for 25 years," and I've, you know, I've read all about it, this. Um, I do actually know some virologists. I talked to some virologists about this. Um, I knew quite a lot. Of, I know quite a lot of doctors, uh, intensive care doctors as well, who I've talked about about this. I mean, my wife works in uh, one of the biggest hospitals uh, in Germany. It's probably one of the biggest in Europe. It, it's huge. Uh, here in Hamburg, it is, is the university hospital is absolutely massive. Uh, it's several city blocks. It has its own power plant. And I'm not talking generators. I'm talking actual power plant. Um, it's a mass massive thing. Of course, now with coronavirus, it's like the uh, the excellence center, I think they call it, because pretty much the only big university hospital in like hundreds of kilometers. Um, and 
so I'm, you know, I have my ear to the ground. I know exactly how many cases they have on the ICU there and all this kind of stuff and what's going on. Um, and I'm, everybody I talk to, like all the, all the experts in the field, they're all not worried about the actual disease. The only people that are worried are doctors, um, you know, that are, that know exactly how many intensive care units there are in the hospital and how many patients they could get if you look at what happened in Italy and all that. And, you know, they're legitimate concerns, but nobody is actually concerned about the actual disease, except me, because, you know, I'm feeling like I'm, I have it now, even though I'm not going out, <laughs> which is weird. Um, but I, one reason I don't want to talk about this, I wrote a bit about this on my blog when it started very early, and um, you know I got a lot of, a lot of shit for compa comparing it to influenza. Um, although I still think that is a useful comparison, um, but you know you, you, you just get a get a lot of pushback. And I, I we just to be honest to talk about like how deadly this thing is, we do not have the numbers at all. We don't have any numbers. Well, we know exactly how many people um, are in hospital with it, especially in Germany. They have this, we're going to talk about this in a minute. We have this centralized reporting system. So we know that. Um, but like, if you go like, there's, so there's this thing that people keep throwing around on the internet, you know, case fatality rate. Um, if you read into this, it's, just, it's measured completely different in Germany than it is in Italy. For example, in Italy, uh, apparently, from what I've seen, read they test a lot of dead people that had died of the disease, uh, which, of course, if you have limited tests, because um, I guess in most cases to test for this, you need a PCR, uh, polymerase chain reaction thing, which is a thing you do in a lab, takes like five hours. I mean, you can test lots of sam samples uh, at the same time, but still... Uh, you have limited testing, and then if you test people, you know that died of the disease. Of course, it's going to bring numbers up. So th those numbers are comparable. We have absolutely no idea how many people get it. And as in getting it, I mean, are at home, like me right now, where, where they don't know, do I have a like viral, viral infection? Do I have influenza? You know, do I have this virus? Who knows? And then for some people, for a lot of people, obviously, um, if you read reports from uh, from experts, it's 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 pretty mild. They would never go to a doctor. So, like all of this, you know, in ten years we'll have numbers on this. Like if you read into influenza, where we had epi epidemics and, and pandemics uh, for decades, and there've been there's so many research on this, um, and even then with influenza, they have no idea how many people. Like they don't know for a fact how many people get it. They have very good testing, you know, they have sentinel, these sentinel uh, testing things where they basically test the population randomly and then they see how many people get it. You know, you can, you can elaborate, you can do, uh, you can do math and you can do statistics and that, but you don't know for a fact. Um, and that's for a disease that we've been studying for decades. So that's why I don't really uh, want to go into this, uh, how, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a doctor either. So what I'm, what I'm going to. You know, my my advice to anybody is just don't panic, don't panic. That's always a good strategy. <laughs> um, and before I get into the into the main part of the matter here, the other thing I want to say is that I know that my opinions will not be popular. I've talked about this on social media for the last few weeks, and I've just been hammered 
been chat on, been pissed on. Basically, just because I I have another opinion, a uh, little bit different opinion than than many people, and then lots of the mainstream media. And they've all been like, you know, reporting all of this, and then people have been thinking about this. And um, there's this whole other uh, consensus out there on how, um, like, even if you go away from how what this disease is and how dangerous it is, just on how the measures that are being enacted right now, um, on how justified they are, and the consensus is they're completely justified. And I I do see a problem. Um, and I want to talk about this and I think it's just my, you know, I'm a journalist and above that I study politics and, you know, if you study politics, there's lots of or history as well There's lots of professors and I always go on, on about how, you know, to be a conscientious citizen of a democracy and, and how it's, you know, especially if you study German history, you know, from the Reich and that you, you always, there's always, it always comes up how important it is to speak up. And I don't think it does anybody any harm. I don't understand why you get shouted on and on social media because, you know, I'm not saying everybody go out and kiss and hug and just get everybody infected and get this thing over with, right? I've, I haven't said it isn't dangerous. Um, I'm just trying to throw data out there and interesting articles that I find and people can't even stand that. So I'm fully prepared to get that as well. Um, which Which doesn't mean that if that's your opinion, you should turn off now and then not right into the podcast i want to hear from you um even though I've, i think i've given up to do this on twitter uh it's just it is not working i think the people that are listening to this podcast um maybe have a bit of uh i don't know i don't know how to characterize it but to this people you know this is now episode seven and the people i talk to in email and in dms and stuff they seem to have an open mind and they seem to be uh relatively intelligent and open to have to have to hear other opinions so i would like to hear your opinion as well as usual uh contact info on the website privatecitizen.press and i will talk about that a bit later as well at the end of the show um in detail how you can contact me and please do if you've got something to say um the other thing i wanted to say i'm going to talk about all these measures now and this it's going to be i'm going to be critical of them um but i don't want you to misunderstand that um what I don't want to say is that we do not, we should not enact these measures. That is not what what my opinion is. I don't feel like that. Um, I don't know, to be honest. I don't know, um, because I think we have we have very little data on what, how this what this disease is, how it works, how dangerous it is. So I don't know if the measures are appropriate, and I don't want to decide that. First of all, it's not my place to decide that. Second of all, it is way too early. Um, I have a bit bad feeling about some of it. Uh, not so much about the stuff they're in, they are doing, more about how the population is 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 dealing with it, um, how it seems to be universally accepted. I don't think that is good, uh, but more on that later. Um, so I just I don't want you to misunderstand me as in Fab doesn't want thinks these are all bad ideas these laws rules this is all dumb we shouldn't do that i don't know what i know is that that i think we need to be vigilant and and i think we need to understand what's going on and um we need to be careful uh and 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 watch what's going on and understand it because if we don't there's every chance that once this whole thing has passed 
we will never get rid of what's happening now. Like this legislation, okay, you know, it will be the, the all these laws that I'm going to talk about today are like time. They are like a month, two months, three months. After that, they will time out and the regulation will be gone. But there will be a precedent for the next time something like this happen, happens. And it will happen. It will happen. Like if you read all the stuff I mentioned, you know, if you read preparation, I've never, I haven't really read so much from the Robert Koch Institute. I'll, I'll have to do that in the future. But, you know, the stuff I read from the CDC that came out of the CDC in the last 20 years, um, it's all like basically with all these viruses, they're all adapting and Ebola is really scary, but it doesn't spread well um, because it doesn't spread by um, water droplet infection. And it's also very deadly. So it tends to kill everybody off. So you can, you know, in Africa for literally decades, they had Ebola, Ebola outbreaks. I mean, you can watch it in Outbreak. It's, uh, you know, it's a fictionalized movie, but some of it is, is, you know, some of it's somewhat accurate. What they used to do is just they shut off the village, right? They, they shut, they quarantine the whole village, let them all die. And then if nobody gets in contact with them, there's like two people who survive. Um, and then you stop the outbreak because the incubation period is relatively short and everybody just dies. Uh, but the CDC has, has said for ages that they are wor worried about like Ebola, you know, this uh, SARS, MERS, uh, coronaviruses are basically a thought of to come from animals and they jump over to humans and then they mutate. Um, and they said, you know, what would happen if e Ebola would um, develop in such a way, mutate in such a way that you could spread it by uh, mucus and like water droplet infection? You know, basically you have the same infection pattern that you have now um, which the cdc has warned of for 20 years they said the problem here is we have airports we have all this travel um once this spreads and it's in the incubation period and people are basically spreading the disease so they're in the dormant phase the disease you're infectious but you don't have any symptoms you don't know you're infected but you're infecting everybody around you you know if that happens with ebola if something like that happens we'd all be dead like you know I could like all these measures they've enacted. If this was like airborne Ebola, yeah, no argument for me. I mean, that, that would be a point where, like, okay, that thing has a like, even that is disputed, but a, the case fatality rate's about 80 to 90 percent. Like, pretty much everybody who gets it dies. Uh, and that is that is a one motherfucking virus. Um, but you know, the CDC has said, you know, not only about Ebola, they've, they've basically predicted this very, uh, very scenario that we're having right now and the problem is nobody as far as i can tell um all the governments haven't haven't prepared themselves you know they haven't said oh this is what the cdc is saying we need we need leg legislation that that was passed and you know debated not in a crisis but in a normal time when everybody talked about it and went to a normal democratic process and we put that all in place I mean, I did something with the um, Infektionsschutzgesetz, which I'm going to talk about in a bit. Um, but, you know, not, not they didn't prepare for a situation like this. All these laws that are happening now, which is passed in the moment. And I just think we need to be careful about that and vigilant. It's, it, I'm not saying we need to stop it. Um, or it's not good. I think we need to be vigilant because the problem with all of this is it's very hard to roll that back. And this all sets a precedent. So the next time somebody, some some disease comes along, no matter how bad bad it is, or somebody makes something, basically makes it up, uh, 
then we'll have we'll, the same laws will be passed immediately because we already had them and we know they worked in air quotes. Um, <laughs> that's you know that's the other part about all the people that are shouting about me on Twitter uh, about you know. Is like this whole flatten the curve bullshit. I've I'd never heard about. Like this doesn't that doesn't come up in any in any scientific material you've read before this coronavirus thing. Um, and we don't know if it works. The thing is, uh, if this when this is all is over, and uh, let's say it turns out that this whole thing wasn't as bad, and by far not as many people as we thought died. And it's basically just another, you know, the, the the death toll at the end of the year will be the same as like from a from a normal flu season. Then we at that point we won't be able to tell if this flatten the curve has worked because the people who who are shouting about it now on Twitter will say, "Of course it worked. That's why it wasn't that bad." <laughs> and then we're all fucked. Anyway, um, I want to talk about now the um actual regulations. So I'm in I'm in Hamburg. Um in germany which is a bit of a special case it's germany's second biggest city and we have federal states in germany now hamburg is its own federal state um so basically the the city area of hamburg and then like a a little bigger metropolitan area around it is itself a federal state so we're a city and a federal state um so generally all the rules apply that apply with federal states in germany but because it's a very small federal state you know it's it's different. So, so where I born in North Rhine-Westphalia, um, the capital city is Düsseldorf, and you have um, the city. Of course, has its own city council, um, and then of course the uh, federal state government also sits in Düsseldorf, but it's in a completely different building, and it's 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 a lot more separate. And in Hamburg, it's all one building. It's not the same people, but it's like it's 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 all much more intertwined. Um, so this is going to be a bit special. So if you live in another part of Germany, that some some stuff might be different. Also, if you live in a, the other country, it might be completely different. Um, so I can just right now with the work I can do in this week and all the other all the other bullshit I had going on because of you know this this coronavirus scare going down, um, created a t- ton of like administrative work and everything. Um, Currently, I can only talk about Hamburg and about Germany. Um, I'd be interested if you contact me. There's a link in the show notes. Uh, basically, it goes to my blog, fab.industries slash contact. And just tell me what's going on where you are. And maybe if you have pointers to relevant uh, regulation, that would be amazing. I'm especially interested in what's going on in the US. I think, depending on how long this thing goes on, it might be worth doing another episode on how this is happening in other countries, um, especially in the US. Um, I, I don't know yet. I definitely don't want to turn this show into like your weekly coronavirus updates are very, I'm, I'm absolutely positive that I'm going to do another topic next week. Um, but you know, if, if this sticks with us for, you know, there's some, there's a very respected German virologist, not the guy who has a podcast now, uh, <laughs> another, another guy, um, who basically says this is, uh, gonna, this is going to be with us till August, you know, at a minimum. So I'm I'm expecting this to be get worse and worse and worse. So I might do more shows on that. But, you know, just contact me if you got some 
some local flavor that would be awesome because as i always point out you're a producer on this show um no matter if you uh, support it financially or you support it with information which is also very valuable so that 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 would help um yeah so uh what what do we got in hamburg so the city senate which is the uh, government of the federal state um has passed uh, what we call in german eine allgemeinverfügung very german word uh, a general edict basically so this is not a law this is policy right um this this is passed by the government like the federal state government but it's not um it doesn't go through the same legislative processes as a you know as an actual law would go through um uh, but you know it's it's this fossil law and that came in effect uh, into effect on uh, 15th of march um and among, among other things this stipulates uh, first that all kinds of public and non-public gatherings uh, independent of the number of people involved are banned uh This does exclude private and family gatherings of up to 100 people uh, and official government business. Uh, so it courts the government, uh, so stuff related to governing the city and public health and safety. Um, banned also, secondly, all kinds of public events, trade shows, sports and entertainment venues. All that's closed. Thirdly, pubs, bars, restaurants are closed, uh, except for staff canteens under certain circumstances about the, how far the tables have to be a partnership like that um fourthly theaters museums movie theaters concert venues youth centers libraries swimming pools spas gyms and common rooms and canteens of the university are closed and also um they closed old schools at least until the end of march i'm guessing that that will be extended now section one of this is the most interesting for our topic today because It severely restricts Article 8, uh, Versammlungsfreiheit, uh, of the Grundgesetz. So the Grundgesetz, uh, often abbreviated as GG, <laughs> is uh, Germany's equivalent of a constitution. We don't really have a constitution, but as a, you know, constitutional scholars um, regard the first, uh, Well, they regard the Grundgesetz as a constitution, especially the first 10 articles are really, really important. Um, and they are, you know, the, they are basically laid down the civil liberty, liberties of uh, the citizens of Germany. Um, so it, it basically the same stuff is in there that would, that's in the US constitution, except for, you know, some like gun rights and stuff like that. Um, so Article 8, Versammlungsfreiheit, says that public gatherings of unarmed citizens, there you go, it explicitly says unarmed citizens, uh, are explicitly allowed and they're generally seen as an important pillar of our democratic process. Um, if you read all commentary on the Grundgesetz, uh, it, it says that this is inherent and crucial for the formation of public opinion by the public now these days eh, you could say well we've got the internet and stuff you know there's a lot of formation of public stuff going on you know public opinion um and political protest i mean this article is, is so important because it's explicitly important for political process right if i one of the the only ways so in a in a parliamentary democracy 
uh, you have votes, uh, in, you know, um, elections in Germany every four years. And between that, uh, one of the only ways to express your will, so to, for the people to express their will to the government, um, is through political protest. So if if you vote for a, um, you know, if you vote for a certain coalition, a certain party, and and a certain government, effectively, and then two years into their uh, legislative period, they just pass a law that is just heinous and that you think is like dangerous. Um, you protest. That's how you tell your elected officials. I mean, you can write to them. Yes, it's all of that. But like, as as the the people uh, on Mars gather, you know, if if they on Mars feel something should immediately be changed, they would gather and protest this. Um, you know, most recent example being maybe Fridays for Future, um, where we know lots of citizens are gathering and they're basically telling the government climate change is really really bad and you need to do something about it now if you if you restrict this you can't like if i now wanted to tell the government that i you know if if, if which apparently is not the case but if there was actual actually a overwhelming majority of people now wanting these laws revoked and saying we're totally overreacting. This virus isn't as bad. We can't just shut all public life down. Uh, this is not good. Uh, you can't do that now. And, you know, yes, there is change.org or whatever bloody petition. I mean, the, the, um, I guess the parliament has their own petition, petition sites, uh, that could be used right now. Yes, we can, we can digitalize everything, but it's just not, the same thing and you know this is for good reason um this is a provision in our constitution although you know well we're, we're going to talk about that at the end i mean i can see valid reasons why you would suspend that now but what i what i basically want to point to what is very important historically here is that this has not been restricted very often um i mean there is for example there's this this sogenannte <laughs> talking German is so, so much German today in the show notes. Um, the um, the so-called uh, Bannmeile. So there's a an area, uh, uh, pretty much a square mile, I think, around the the Parliament where you're not allowed to protest in Berlin, which is permanent. I mean, there are restrictions like that, and there have been restrictions for emergencies in the past. But it's something that the only the thing I want to say is that this isn't this isn't a light. This isn't you, if we agree with it or not, we should not take it lightly. Um, yeah, that, so that is the leg legislation that, that has been passed where I am. All this stuff, um, all the coronavirus regulations are currently, or they are passed on a federal state level. Because Germany uh, explicitly, you know, learning from the past um, history of, of our democracy before Hitler, basically, um, there's a valid reason why we have federal states and why they have responsibilities. For example, the education is part of it. And one of it is, is like medical um, care, you know, and that's why that's why all these laws, they're being enacted right now all over Germany and they're pretty much all the same laws, um, but they're not coordinated by the federal government. They're coordinated by the 
federal state uh, governments. Um, and this is why I'm talking about the, the Hamburg law. There is, of course, a, um, uh, a, a, an actual law. These are all edicts. An actual law that has been in effect since January 2001, um, which regulates infectious, infectious diseases. And um, there it is called, and now hold on to your chair if you aren't German, uh, the Gesetz zur Verhütung und Bekämpfung von Infektionskrankheiten bei Menschen. Or as we also like to call it, the Infektionsschutzgesetz, which is in itself pretty long. Uh, that is the IFSG. So this is a federal law. And um, naturally, there is no mention of COVID-19 in this law. Uh, the closest diseases, uh, you know, comparable diseases, relatively, that are li listed. Um, so there are two Uh, section, section six and section seven, which govern mandatory reporting. Section six is if you go to a doctor and he diagnoses this disease, then he has to report it. Section seven is if they, if the doctor sends off a, um, a sample to a lab and they, they detect a certain disease, they have to report it. And section six, uh, mentions hemorrhagic fevers. So Ebola, Marburg virus, stuff like that. Resten. Um, chickenpox, which I actually had as a kid. Any one of these, uh, the only one of these, all diseases in there that I, I ever had. Um, and then zoonotic influenza, which is, uh, means influenza that has in, uh, originated from an animal host. So that would be like the chicken flu and the swine flu and stuff like that. Um, in the lab reporting section, section seven, there are a number of viruses listed, uh, including Zika virus and MERS uh, coronavirus. Um, so they changed that after the MERS outbreak. And uh, these reportings, uh, th this means these reports have to include uh, the full name of the address, full name and address of the patient, and a lot of details on like their diagnosis. And how they contracted the disease, and you know if they have, um, if they were in contact with people, you have to report all of that. Um, that's all governed in section number nine. Now these reports are processed under uh, section fourteen, and they are entered into a federal database, which is run by the uh, Robert Koch Institute, also known as the uh, RKI, which is a federal agency. That is, it sounds, it's weird because the Institute in German is usually like a, um, that would be like a foundation or something. They're usually non-governmental things, you know, like they've been institute at a, a university hospital. Now the Robert Koch Institute is actually a federal agency. It is, uh, basically roughly equivalent to the CDC, uh, the Centers for Disease Control in the US, or as they are now called, I think the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. I think they changed it at some point. Um, now, interestingly, as far as I understand this whole thing, the GDPR doesn't apply to this at all. Uh, I don't know how that works. Um, it's probably an exemption somewhere. Um, and whether, whether this data is deleted does not really depend on like civil rights. Like w when you're in this database, um, if they, if, and when they delete this data doesn't depend on like civil rights criteria as you know, the, in the GDPR, it's more 
more about the disease itself and if they want to run epidemiological studies on it or something like that. Um, now they changed uh, recently. They now with the coronavirus stuff, they changed uh, section six of the IFSG uh, by a federal edict on first of February, and they now specified that SARS-CoV-2. Um, so that's what they officially call this coronavirus strain now was covered. Um, and they can do this per section 15 of the law. Uh, now, now we get interesting. What happens if you actually get a disease like this? Uh, section 29 specifies that if you're infected or suspected of being infected uh, with anything that's covered by this law, uh, you can be required to subject yourself to diagnostic procedures and have to give government officials access to your home. And uh, this is section explicitly says uh, that the rights to be free from bodily harm, to personal liberty, and to privacy within your home, which are granted by the Grundgesetz, do not apply. So these are all basic civil li liberties. To to restrict these is not very common. Um, in 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 German law, I mean one one example would be uh, the uh, the Verdienst, so the uh, draft um, we we for where well, we have on the on the books we still have mandatory uh, military service. Uh, it's currently suspended um, for a long time. Ever since I was uh, born, basically you could uh, do civil service instead. You had to apply for it and have it granted. But um, but that obviously um, uh, you know to to force you to go through military training for a year uh, violates a lot of of these um sections of of the constitution and that was always of course you know an exemption for that now uh quarantine rules are interested interesting there are in section 30 of the IFSG um if you have contracted or are suspected of having contracted a pneumonic plague or a hemorrhagic fever uh, the government is authorized to quarantine you in a healthcare facility, uh, and if necessarily by necessary by force, and they can also uh, put you in a secure facility. This is stated is explicitly that Article Two of the uh, Grundgesetz, the right to personal liberty, does not apply in this case. Um, for all other diseases, so that would include this new coronavirus. Um, the section states that a patient. Um, which includes people that are sus suspected of having the disease can be isolated in a healthcare facility or in quote another appropriate way. Uh, people who aren't sick uh, but are spreading the disease can be compelled to be isolated if they're not following the instructions of healthcare personnel and would do quote uh, would would harm their surroundings end quote. Of course, this section also includes exemptions from the Grundgesetz. Uh, you know, uh, one of them is. Uh, there is uh, the Grundgesetz stipulates that a person's mail is private. So some of the digital rights are based on this. So obviously the constitution doesn't talk about computers, um, but it talks about telephone communications and mail. And those two articles are usually used as the basis for, you know, internet traffic in your computer. Um, and uh, so this in quarantine that can actually open your mail in your presence and the, but that has to be justified by preventing infections 
I don't know if somebody sends you something or you send people infected stuff. I don't know. Uh, mail from courts, the government, priests, lawyers, uh, and lawyers are ex exempted from this provision. Um, obviously, right to free, uh, you know, free from bodily harm and personally liberty does not apply. I mean, this the right of bodily harm is very uh, important. Last year, we had a big discussion if you should vaccinate people uh, mandatorily and uh, the government decided not to pass that law. That's our idiotic uh, health min uh, health minister, Jens Spahn, uh, who looks like he's, he's like the subject of, he was like the subject of the bat cloning experiment. Uh, he's an idiot. Uh, he tried to pass that law, which was obviously against the constitution. Um, there's this paragraph to be free from bodily harm. Um Basically, they can't give you an injection. Um, you know, you can't compel somebody by law, except in circumstances like these, when it, there's it's very specific exemptions. But generally, you can't just give people an injection or force them to, you know, give blood. Um, and last point, violation of this law is pun or any of these things uh, is punishable by five years in prison. That is section 74 of this law. And with that, I thought, so that's that's all the 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 stuff you know the law the law that laws that are in the books and the stuff they um they um you know the edicts they passed and that's all the current uh, legislation that that's in effect that that we can now discuss. That's what I thought yesterday when I prepared these show notes. And then breaking news: uh, we now have travel restrictions. So. Um, our neighboring federal state of Schleswig-Holstein uh, yesterday closed its borders uh, to tourists. And that's in effect from today. So that's Wednesday, the 18th of March. Um, so they also closed, uh, in contrast to Hamburg, uh, they closed all stores uh, except stores that are selling necessities like food or, food or drugs. For some interesting thing is they actually want to, they're thinking about, uh, so there's a restriction in Germany. Um, Stores are not allowed to open on Sunday. Religious, you know, Catholic thing. Um, and that, that's been upheld forever, ever since the Federal Republic existed. And there are very few exceptions, uh, like, you know, service stations. Uh, they can also sell some stuff, stuff like that. In the airport here, I have a, like a supermarket at the airport that's open 24-7 uh, uh, every day in the year. Uh, but that's like exceptions. Um, they want to drop that now so that, I don't know, people can buy stuff on Sunday, which buy. I mean, people are at home right now. They can, like, people, if anything, everybody's working from home or not working at all. Uh, if anything, people have more, uh, uh, it's easier for them to walk through the shop at all times of the day now than it was before. So I completely don't get that. But any, anyway, the, so they have actually, they're, they're doing border checks right now, like borders. It's not really a border. They're doing like, I don't know, on the highway? I don't know. Checking cars, asking them where they're going. Um, you know, because that's a touristy state. You know, people from Hamburg, uh, Schleswig-Holstein is the federal state. It's north of, between Ham basically Hamburg, it's this little piece of land that goes up to Denmark. Um, and, uh, you know, people go there on, on the weekend to go to the north of the, uh, the, the North Sea or the Baltic. Um, and that's now all, all close. So I have friends uh, that we wanted to visit. Um, actually wanted to visit them today, which I can't. Oh, well, probably could. I mean, I have a 
just put my press pass in the window and say, no, 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 I'm, I'm going there for a story. But, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay home. Like the other thing with all these restrictions, like people are oh, fab. Why are you so pissed off about this? I'm not pissed off about this. Like I'm, I'm generally worried by like the legal implication. But I, I'm a geek. Like I've got eight RPGs that I, I, I could be in. I'm a, I'm a prepper anyway. I've got all the stuff I need. I, I've, I've, and I, and I have RPGs. I've got all the food, all the stuff I need. I've got the booze. I've got coffee. Uh, and I've got RPGs. I could I could hunker down in quarantine till 2025. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I've got so many RPGs to complete. You know, just turn off everything. I don't care. Um, well, you know, I like to keep an eye on on laws and what's going on. Um, yeah. So now, other federal says about talking about closing their borders. So I don't know. Probably it's just a matter of time till I can't get out of Hamburg anymore. And it's not like you're in North Rhine-Westphalia, which is the huge federal state. You know, it's the second biggest one. Um, or you're like in Bavaria and you can basically go anywhere. If Hamburg closes the federal state borders, you can't go anywhere. It's just the city. You're stuck in the city. It's been, it'll be like, like, like Wuhan. Um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about conclusion. So in, in summary... Uh, it's always been kind of the case like the EFSG was always of course enforced since 2001 so it's always the case that if you contract a number of infectious diseases uh, or are suspected of having contracted them which that's the more worrying thing to me uh, you can and you will be tracked by the government so you will be if you go to a doctor and they diagnose you they put all your data in this database that the government can have access to, they can quarantine you, they can put you in a hospital. And, you know, and lots of these laws are passed in basically with with Ebola and hemorrhagic fevers in mind. You know, and they're basically, if you have Ebola and you cough on somebody or you're, you start vomiting blood and people get exposed to that you basically anybody who gets it who isn't protected in a hazmat suit is basically dead we're talking about like with 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 those you know marburg ebola straight you know ebola that year is one of the worst i think it's got 90 percent but i mean even the the most mild of those has a 50 percent chance that you you'll die and it doesn't matter how old you are or whatever you will die um you know then they have of course i mean bubonic plague doesn't exist anymore but that was pretty fucking bad uh you still have the pneumonic plague uh stuff like that um so these laws are passed with that in mind i completely understand that um but what's happening now of course is that they are being uh, enforced about a virus that I'm going to be careful what I say because otherwise people are going to shout at me again. But it's this this virus, even the even even the SARS, the worst strain, which you know they're saying has about seven. I mean, there were very few cases, also or very few reported cases. Also, like the data, the 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 base for the data is kind of wobbly. But you know, there was some seven percent uh, mortality rate, maybe. Um, and now this is. I don't know what it is, but it's lower. It's, it, it, that that is not that is not in dispute with any of the experts. This is lower uh, than SARS 
was. Um, it just spreads more. Um, so so this is this is more in the area of the flu. I don't want to compare it to the flu because they're valid compared, but people will get mad. Um, but you know, it's more in that area. It's not in the e- Ebola area, and it's it's getting. Um, so these laws are now enacted because for that kind of virus. And if you if you talk about um, if you talk to specialists and virologists, although they're you know it's more you know pandemiologists that you're going to talk about, you know. Um, uh, now I've forgotten what they're called. You know, epidemiologists. Um, they they'll tell you this. Basically, this kind of thing will happen. You know, every ten years. I don't know. We'll we'll get we'll get one of these, and then it'll be worse or less worse, and it'll be influenza based, or that might be coronavirus based, or it might be based on a, on another kind of virus. You know. Um, so this will happen again and again and again. The question is, you know, will we shut down private life, public life every time? Because, I mean, you can see already what kind of a bad, I mean, far from like people losing their jobs. Just look at the stock exchanges. We've had the, I mean, it, it's it's already worse than 2008. And if 2008, we were just now, like 12 years later, the economy was slowly recovering from that um so i mean this this will this will cause problems and untold um you know economic problems for people like 10 20 years down the line um yeah so basically i mean we had these laws they're now being uh, adapted for you know sars uh co covid 2 or covid 19 or whatever you want to call it um so we we always had these uh these laws where dangerous diseases are concerned. The question is, how dangerous is this disease now? Um, what we what is completely new is federal state edicts that you know the require closure of significant part of public life. Uh, they severely restrict some constitutional rights, and that is as far as I can tell. That's as as far as Germany's comport. Co- uh, uh, concerned is completely unprecedented uh I've, I've never like as far as the federal republic of germany is concerned as long as it exists i've never seen anything like this uh, and as i said before what worries me about this is not so much the measures itself like if the scale of the outbreak if they're appropriate for that that's all okay um but it that is just very hard to tell first of all the data is really bad we don't have enough data uh, because everybody is, you know, just take the case uh, fatality rate. Uh, every country is taking different numbers. They're hard to compare. Um, there's obvious, I mean, I, I don't, I will say this, and I won't back down from this. There was, in the last few weeks, there was blatant fear-mongering going on by the media. It's overreactions. And you can see this. They caused overreactions in the public. All the hoarding of toilet paper and all of that that people are la- being lambasted for now. I actually don't blame the people doing it. I don't. I blame my colleagues in the media who caused this. They, If you do wall-to-wall coverage and then people start hoarding toilet paper and then you report on people hoarding toilet paper, it just gets in people's brains. 
There, there are very few people out there who can abstract and say, this is all stupid. I'm not going to hoard toilet paper. 80% of the people out there will be like, hmm, if everybody's hoarding toilet paper, there won't be anything for me, so I'm going to buy toilet paper. And then you get reports on the hoarding of the toilet paper, and then you get more reports and more reports, and it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And nobody stepped back and said, let's calm the fuck down, everybody. And if you did that, and I did that for a while, like on, 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 on Twitter and on Facebook... You just get shouted at by these people. The same people, by the way, who were laughing uh, about the preppers for years. Ah, conspiracy theorists. Nobody's ever going to shut all public life down when the virus comes or something. Ha, zombie apocalypse. Ha, ha, preppers. Ha, ha. So those are the people that are now prepared. That actually did the right thing. Like, from a personal perspective the people who are preppers who are completely prepared for this kind of thing that's the right thing they're smart and you're laughing at them uh or you were laughing at them and now you're acting like you know like them i don't know i, I don't get it um it just doesn't this whole thing doesn't seem to be a healthy reaction to me um this is not a healthy climate for a democracy um no pun intended I think we need to watch this situation carefully. Um, I mean, the best case scenario is we have compromised some civil liberties to slow down the spread of a dangerous disease. And that has worked. You know, that's, you know, and it's all worked and it's all good. But fact is, the, the question is, is this disease actually as dangerous as the mainstream consensus thinks it is? Uh, which we can only tell, like in you know, in five, ten years when we have proper data on all this crap, um, or like, do these measures actually work? Right? Some of this came into effect because politicians were asking virologists. Virologists have they know how viruses work. They know how, like you know, they're basically you know geneticists microbiologists they know how how a virus shell is is uh constructed like what 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 receptors it has how it connects to a cell what you know what it's in in this case of coronavirus rna uh does when it gets inside the cell how that all works they're not epidemiologists virologists don't know how like i mean they could know because they you know they learned it on the side of their field, but they're not experts in telling what a disease does to a population. They're not even experts in really, well, yeah, well, they know what it does to your body, but more on a cellular level, right? They're not doctors. Um, so they're not, for example, with this virus, a lot of people are dying because of uh, lung problems. And a virologist knows what, what the virus does to, it, to a cell, but not specifically what that systemically does if it goes into lung cells and stuff like that. But as far as I can tell, at least in Germany, lots of the politicians, these were actually the people that were listening to, uh, not so much like their own health, people working in health departments uh, for the government and you know, be epidemiologists, basically. But the thing is, a lot of them probably also said, you know, just let's do this you know let's just accept expect the worst because if we don't do this and and people die we'll lose our jobs um so people are saying what so why is this bad you know why is it bad if we if we actually actually expect the worst and then um pass these laws um 
The problem is, once we give up our liberties in this way, we, I said this before, we establish a precedent. And we establish a precedent for the government to do this again. And you can't roll that back. And what's more worrying to me is like just the the immediate uh, people just roll over. They're like, "Wow, this the the press tells me this is horrible." Uh, so so the government says I can't go out anymore. Like, or you know, I you know, I can't open my shop anymore. Okay, okay. I guess it's dangerous enough, right? There, there's no. There's no opposition to this. At least I haven't seen very little, and the people that that are that are saying this are immediately shouted down. So I don't know if this is like the internet filter bubble. Um, I hope it is. Uh, the downside of it is that because all established political parties are within this and can kind of agree on this, uh, the people who think this is bullshit will be pushed to like fringe parties. Uh, which might be right-wing fringe parties like the AFD. I don't know. But, like, it's a problem if you have a consensus like this in in the government, in 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 the um, in the parliament, when everybody's just, like, on the, on the same level. That would worry me with any topic, because I, I think nothing, like, nothing in politics is that clear-cut. But it worries me especially if, like, you know, if our constitution and civil liberties are concerned. And, you know, I mean, this is all kinds of stuff. I mean, privacy uh, things you can see. I mean, they were flying around drones in China telling people to go inside. And then they were, I think they were doing this in France as well. And you see all this kind of stuff. And, you know, if they would now say, okay, we need to track all of you. Um because you look like you could have, you you look like you could have, you know, you were you were out of the country for a week there on holiday, and we don't know. You look like we need to track you. You could be infected. I think people would just say yes. It, this is such a bad disease, and all our old people will die. Yes, of course, do all of that. And I'm just worried about that, and that's why I did the show, um, because I wanted to speak out against that. Not necessarily against the measures, but say you know just be aware of people be aware of what's going on have a look in your own countries and where you are and think about this think about this you know in the light of even if it's not true if this whole thing is just basically the flu if if, just propose that that was right like what are we doing here i i saw a i think somebody on uh on on joe rogan experience i think on one of their uh fight companion podcasts uh, said might have been eddie bravo i think I, th- I think it was eddie bravo i think he said if you were in a coma and you woke up right now in the u.s and you were like you turn on the news you're like what the fuck's going on like shortages toilet paper like uh blanket uh can't go out curfew kind of st- thing going on if if that happened you'd think it was ebola right you wouldn't think it's the virus that kills three percent of the population Anyway, that's it for me for that topic. (laughs) Thanks again to No Agenda.
uh, I'm, I'm stealing that jingle as well because it was great let's talk about a bit about feedback let's stop talking about the virus um i i won't like i promise you next episode's gonna be something completely different um i do try to avoid this topic when i can i just thought that was very important and need to be said anyway basil will uh wrote me an email basil will is somebody i know well not personally but like in email for a very long time he used to listen to the linux outlaws podcast and um it's from down under and I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm very happy that he wrote me again. He said he took up my suggestion to listeners of the show to write and tell me about, you know, what they do in, in, in real life and stuff like that, uh, which is still, please do that. Um, I would love to get to know you a little bit. Um, so if you want to write me an email and tell me what you do, that would be great. Now, Basil Will is a high school teacher teaching IT, maths, and sciences. And he says he's been using episodes of the podcast for discussion topics in his IT class, with, which humbles me, which is great. Uh, he says, I had, a, I had a good discussion about Clearview AI with my eight years, and I think I might discuss Geofence Dragnet, Dragnet's next lesson. I've been trying to gauge how this generation feels about privacy. Most will parrot back what they expect me to hear. Well, school, right? But some were honest and told me of their public Instagram accounts longing to be the next social media influencer. Which, you know, I guess makes sense. If you're a kid today, um, yeah, that's that's where your role models are. Uh, he says, I have decided to not judge, but to give information and some of my thoughts, such as that even if an account is public, still be mindful that you hand over what data you hand over to other networks. What was that great German word again. Datensparsamkeit. Datensparsamkeit. I know I would not necessarily listen to my teachers, but if I can make stu students think, who knows? Uh, yeah, I, I remember. Well, when I was at school, I was a very, very, I was a troublemaker. Um, I would disagree very vocally with teachers, although not with everybody. It's just, it depends on the teacher. Um, I get, you know, from what you're saying, it's not like a teacher I would, I would have, uh, liked I mean, I mean i like teachers who engage with uh, back then you know who engaged with the students and who were like you know basically i always rubbed against teachers who were like my word is law uh you know especially when you hire in high school when you're like grade 11 12 and you're like you just start to figure out how life works and you realize that being a high school teacher no offense basil will but it's like it's like journalist. It's not one of the most, you know, when you, when you really, really, I don't know, a genius or, or an entrepreneur, you don't become a high school teacher, right? You're not like, you know, I, I wouldn't think I'm the smartest person in the room. So I, it's just, it, it doesn't go where I don't really, I'm trying not to offend past you, <laughs> but I, I, I think, you know, you're saying you, you'll get it, mate. Basically what I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, I started to figure out that that while in class the teacher's god in the social pecking order, it's not like the most glamorous job. And I started to giving them, uh, tell them my thoughts, which is you know that's why I'm a podcaster. I was basically like this when I was, you know, sixteen. I guess as you know, I was always a troublemaker and telling people things that I thought and and not conforming to the. To the opinion everybody has which in school can get you in trouble i can tell you that oh i can one, one quick story i know the show is running on long but um, i had a so i was in australia i went to australia for a um, exchange year 
And I actually, um, because of the way the high school year works, uh, you know, I went there and did second half of year 13. And then I did the first half of year 13. I went back to Germany. Um, uh, no, year, year 12, I think it's in Australia, right? Yeah, I think year 12. Anyway, I did the final year. I did, I did my um, Queensland Certificate of Education. I think it was back then. So I basically have an Australian high school uh, diploma. I had that before I got my German high school diploma. So I go back. Uh, for my last, so that was in year 11 in, or was it year 11 in Australia? I can't remember. It's been so long. Anyway, it was year 11 in, in Germany where we used to have 13 years of high school. Now we have 12. Uh, back then we had 13 and lots of people would do that in year 11, usually go to the US. So I come back and I start like my, the last two years are like your preparation for your final exams and stuff. And I had this English teacher and she's like, you can't use it's and ain't and, you know, these little concatenations you know basically you have to write uh, your high, high school papers like data talks and i'm like this is bullshit and she's like why is this bullshit i'm like i went to australia i have an australian high school diploma that's their native language and in their tests you can you can use that also it sounds idiotic and she was not having it she's like no you can't use this and i i used them throughout <laughs> and that cost me like i think so I think I so we have six marks in Germany. One is the best, and you know, six is abysmal. And I think I got downgraded in English from one to a one minus or something. Even though my English was flawless, like I, you know, I came back from a year in Australia. I, I I'm convinced today that my English back then was on par with the teacher, basically. <laughs> uh, Anyway, this is hilarious. But I like she wouldn't back down and I wouldn't back down. It's like, okay, if you want to mark me down for this, who gives a fuck? I, I am standing by my principles. <laughs> yeah, kids don't do that. <laughs> it's, it's not it's, it's not the smartest thing to do. Anyway, Fadi writes me an email and wrote written me uh quite a lot of emails. Um just feedback on the shows, which I really appreciate. Uh Fadi says about episode six, which was on Geofence Warrants. Um so I'm 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 shortened this uh, shortened this a little bit. Of course, what triggered the subject was this piece of news related to Google, and there would probably so the subject of the show, and there would probably be similar stuff about Apple and Facebook. I agree, although I think Google is just the target right now for these geofence ones. But what I feel missing is the issue of mobile operators. Even though even without the GPS, all mobile phones communicate with cell towers, and these towers have known locations. You can actually estimate a phone location from this triangulation. This information is available to mobile operators and it's actually being used in other less democratic-minded countries. Um, I think I said that. I'm pretty sure I talked about this um, because the the point about the geofence warrants is that the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, especially had a decision uh, forbidding police from using that data, which is why they use the app data, which, of course, means mobile phone providers, you're completely correct, Fadi, this is all correct. They, I mean, by the operation of your mobile phone, they know where it is at all times. And uh, this, I think, in the U.S. is still used by the um, intelligence services, which don't have to comply with certain Supreme Court decisions uh, also in germany police use this to track you uh they use just triangulation. i don't think it's about less democratic minded countries i think uh germany uh, i think the uk police uses this basically they get a warrant um you know they get they need to get a warrant from a judge and then they can track you with this in real time uh, actually what they do in germany is a thing called uh silent sms 
so there's a provision in the in in this underlying baseband thing which is way below the operating system stuff um that you can send because sms originally used to be network service messages um you can send like this sms message that goes out to the phone the phone acknowledges it comes back and the actual phone user never sees anything like even the operating system doesn't know about this this is completely down below in the baseband drivers and they do that to ping your phone to know where you are in germany so um, they will just let's see where he is and send that sms and they use that tens of thousands of times every year i think um one uh, fadi goes on one additional point to clarify of course uh clarify of course you need the association between an individual and a sim card for this to work well not really they can figure out by metadata where you are but you are generally correct uh in some countries you need to present a valid id when purchasing a sim card so the association is there from the start but even when this is not required it's still possible to infer this association by other means yeah metadata and there's the same question about legality arises here but what is important is that this information exists and regardless of its use if it's used by where by warrant or sold it's still side effect of the technology we use and i completely agree with you and this uh, sim card stipulation is i know uh, it is a eu law so within the eu if you buy a sim card you have to do that you have to provide id uh, so no burner phones basically they they passed this law um well you could say to track people but i think they have that information from other i mean the mobile phone provider knows like even they they know they have so much metadata um but um they you know they did this to prevent like drug dealers and everybody like criminals using burner phones also now we privacy focused people also can't use burner phones um there's an interesting topic in here about metadata how much like there's interesting statements from um even the snowden documents and other people like from the fbi and stuff how important and german police as well how important metadata is and that in most cases you know with these terrorism investigations they don't even need to know who's speaking to whom and like if they're using encrypted chat doesn't matter they don't really want to know what they're talking about. It's enough to know when who's talking with whom when. And you can infer like all the organizational details of their cells and of, of crimes and all, all this stuff. There's an interesting episode in that, which I should do at some point. Um, Fadi continues. So I'm sorry for sounding pessimistic. No, you're a realistic man, uh, but this is reality. And the only thing that we can do is to be aware of it and of its possible consequences and start to be more conscious of the data we we are generating exercise more datensparsamkeit that's that word again i'm also working from home today our company is testing this as the czech government is taking the covid19 matter seriously as everybody is as you could tell by the show so stay safe safe stay free thank you fadi thanks for the email yeah completely right that's what i want to do that's why i did this show um i don't think it's things we can change it's more I want everybody to have that information and be as informed as they can be. I think that is a very important thing. Um, if you also want to contact me, uh, please go to privatecitizen.press. Uh, there is a link in the show notes. Um, yeah, you can contact me uh, by email. Uh, we have a, a Discord server if you're a Patreon uh, subscriber. And also there's the Fediverse and you can find me on Twitter, of course, all on there. 
Um, if you like this show, if you think this gives you important information, I would ask you to consider to think about how much this was worth to you in um, worldly terms. And um, if you want to support me, you can become a patron uh, on Patreon. There is also a link uh, in the show notes for that. Um, you will be considered uh, to be a supporter if you do. Uh, yeah, well, a supporter, but also a, more importantly, a producer, because this is how this value for value model, which I also got from the um, um, from the uh, No Agenda podcast, uh, how this how this whole thing works. And um, you're not, of course, you're not only a producer if you send me money. As I said, you know, information is also appreciated. Um, but it does help, uh, especially in times. I mean, I don't have to tell you. You probably all have the same problem. I mean, I I have. I mean, I'm a I'm a freelancer, so I'm I'm way ahead of all of the curve with the home office. I've been doing that for a year and a half almost now. Um, but you know, there were events that are you know that that I was scheduled to uh, to moderate and host and shit. Like I've lost several thousand euros this month alone because of this crap but that's how it goes um so if you if you want to chip in it is appreciated i do have a paypal address as well it's producers at fab industries um you can send money there directly if you don't want to deal with patreon um i'm thinking about i had um to real who sent me money by paypal raise the fact that you know patreon and paypal are both not very privacy minded um I love another alternative. Um, you know, no agenda. There's like checks. People send them checks. Although in Europe, checks don't really exist. I've, you know, born in 1983. I've never, I've seen a check because my dad used to fill them out when I was very small. I've never used a check. I've never filled out a check. I don't even know how that works. Uh, so yeah, maybe if you have another alternative, maybe some app or something that's privacy focused, please contact me. I'm open. I'm open for anything. Uh, if it helps, if it's privacy conscious, why not? And with that, um, I'd like to thank everybody who was uh, who has produced this podcast. Uh, first of all, Raul Kabezali, who uh, provided the uh, composed and recorded the theme song for this podcast, which I licensed from him. It's called Acoustic Roots. It's great. I uh, would also like to thank ByteMark, who uh, provides the UK hosting company. They're great. ByteMark.co.uk. They provide the service that I use um, to send, you know, to host the audio files and have them delivered to you. Um, but above all, um, I would, of course, also like to thank everybody who helped out and uh who has become a Patreon supporter and who's sending money by PayPal. And that is Niall Donegan, Michael Mullen Jensen, Jonathan M. Heavy, George, Georges Walther, Dave Kaisiers, Matt Jalleman, Fadi Mansour, Joe Poser, Rashid, Rashid Alhimani, that was correct, <laughs> Mark Holland, Steve Hose, Butterbeans, Shelby Kruver, Dave Amrish, Vitautas Sadowskis, Ricky M., Drive Zero, and to real thanks to all of you thanks for supporting the show and with that that's me that uh it's me for today i'm fab uh, from hamburg thanks for listening 
Stay free, stay private, don't let the law catch you, and uh, stay healthy wherever you are. I'll see you next week for another episode of The Private Citizen. <laughs>